It's that time of the week for more independent league news and discussion. Join us now as we talk more independent league baseball here on the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we're back again. Episode number 52 of the Indie Ball Report podcast, and we have a lot to discuss today as it is our special episode where we talk about our super indie league versions. First, we got our usual rundown of news and discussion topics, as well as a couple of uh, news relating to us as well. Oh, yeah. So we'll jump in with some article talk here, and then we'll get going into the news and whatnot. And hopefully, by the 30-minute mark or so, we'll be able to start talking about some uh, Indie Super League. But because this is a podcast, we don't really have any time constraints here. It could be as long as you want. There you go. It goes on forever, maybe. Maybe we'll just do one continuous episode. Regardless, we're going to talk about the article that we just put out today. It was co-authored with our good friend and friend of the show, Will from ALPB News. And it was all about this recent trend in the Atlantic League of players departing for other uh, other independent leagues or foreign leagues and whatnot. And what's at the root cause of it? So, Because I wanted to use the uh, subheading of the Independent Baseball League Trial of the Century, because that is just such a wonderful name that we can't just allow to be on the OJ case, we got to use it here as well. So we framed it in the context of a court case where we had Will arguing as the prosecution, me as the defense, arguing the point of the rule changes in the Atlantic League are the primary cause, the the one cause that is most singularly responsible for players leaving the Atlantic League. Will took the side of, yes, that that is the case, and he got some very good quotes from players including Liam O'Sullivan, formerly of Somerset, now currently of the Sioux City Explorers, and everybody's favorite, former Cy Young candidate. It's very important to know he got eight votes and 2% of the vote in 2010, finished ahead of Tim Lincecum. Well, that's a big deal. And ahead of Brett Myers, so I forgot played baseball. Yeah, fair enough. But you know who finished third that year? Who? In NL Cy Young voting? Who? A bottle of Jimenez. Really? Yeah, I, I forgot that stretch in Colorado when he was really good. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep, it was Holiday, then it was Wainwright, then it was Jimenez. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. But in any case, and then he got a quote from, uh, from Latos that uh, he didn't really hold back, but that is not really the Matt Latos style. That's he's right. A, yeah. He's a real hard-on-the-sleeve type guy. Yeah, we're, we're not expecting a, a huge amount of tact. From, from Matt Latos there. Yep, of course. So he got quotes from there, made a very good case, very compelling case, and then I went to defending that assertion that, look, it's there's a lot more going on here where it's not just the rules. There's a lot more than just the rules going on here, namely player individuality. There's a lot of reasons for a lot of departures, all of varying, uh, varying natures. Some of them are across trends where you want to go to a more hitter or pitcher-friendly league than the Atlantic League. Some of them, it's just you prefer to be in a different region in the country if you have the option. Some of them, it's it's a wide variety of things. It's a couple of things all at the same time. And I got a quote, quote or two from one of the general managers in the Atlantic League. And then we also got a quote just earlier today from another one. We are also in discussion with two come on to the show and join us and discuss the issue at length, but we won't reveal names or anything like that. Now, we'll let that sit be a nice teaser for later on down the road. Let it simmer a little bit, right? Exactly. So, that just went up today. That is on the website, IndieBallReport.com. You go to the articles heading, you can read it right there, 
and it's a it's a really good read. It's not terribly long, I don't think, but it does say a lot in the in the space it takes up. I agree. I think your the article you all put together is fantastic. One of the things I really liked about it is this idea of putting it on trial. I think that structure is really good, and it works in a way that makes a lot of sense to me. I think your argument of the defense is an argument more for complexity. I think this is a very complex situation. Anytime you're dealing with why players are leaving leagues, why players are leaving certain teams, there's a lot more there than just, of course, the rules. But I do think that Will also has a very good argument that the rules seem to be the common thread among a lot of these players. So it's a really good read. It's worthwhile. You're going to get a lot from the article one way or the other. And the quotes from some of the players are fantastic. Really did a good job. Both of you did a great job researching it, really understanding the entirety of what the argument you were making. And I think it's a difficult um, decision to say whom I side with at this point, but I, but I will, I will certainly say that it's just a very well-written piece and it's certainly thought provoking, especially regarding what we think of how this is going to impact the Atlantic league and those kind of things. I think this is a really great article to kind of get everybody's thought process going on. How is this going to impact it? And what ultimately will the legacy of the MLB partnership with the Atlantic league be? That was the one thing I did like a lot about it. I like that we had that nice kind of back and forth going to, and Will definitely did a great job of that section. I think it was he made a lot of compelling points, like you're saying there. And going forward, it is going to be interesting how this partnership turns out to be. Uh, you have some GMs that are saying, look, there's not even a trend. This is pretty standard as far as business goes. I call it more of a trend just because of the fact you have a lot of higher name guys. And sure, you're always going to get a flood of guys in, but to see the kind of guys that are heading out is different too. And when you ask some of the guys that left and they said, I'd rather not come because there was a handful of them there, it does kind of imply something there. They're feeling a certain way, but they don't want to say it, which fair enough. Looking back in a couple of years when this partnership is all said and done, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, winds up shaking off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there has to be some overall idea of uh, narrative attentiveness that you guys all strung through here it weaves together very well it puts a really good uh, overall spark on what you're trying to say what I do think is it complicates Will's argument and complicates the arguments that many make is again we are seeing uh, some guys leave of a bigger name uh, at a higher caliber as you mentioned in the article but we're not necessarily seeing a vast majority of, of guys leave or anything like that so perhaps it is a trend but I think the trend with a with a you know common thread of this problem of the rules but I do think overall that uh, the article answers the questions um, that I had certainly about whether or not executives at this point are concerned with this. Um, and they don't seem to be. They, they don't seem to be too concerned with this at all. So if this is something that they're not concerned with, at least publicly at this point, um, you know, it's, it certainly gives me pause uh, to, to really dive in um, mm. one way or the other on it. Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to try and find, which I tried finding, but it was really difficult to get an exact number on, an exact science on, was how many guys from 2018 to 2019 left for other leagues and didn't come back. And that is something that was just so difficult to find. I believe the number when I worked it out, which is a very rough number too, might I add. It's just kind of comparing guys off the top of my head that I was looking at, comparing to rosters and then doing kind of dives. I believe the number wound up being close to 430 different players played in the Atlantic League in 2018. And I want to say about 20, 
it was between 28 and 35 percent returned. And so I'm not sure if that's a usual turnover or what it is. And because I just couldn't get an exact science on that, I didn't want to include that there. But it was certainly interesting to see that already out the bat, you're going to have a poor retention rate, which does hurt the argument of, well, the rules are the root cause. Because if you're already having a retention problem, then how can you say... And certainly, I think also that speaks to the individuality argument that you had, which was one of the more compelling to me. Look, sure, could this be a strand that makes guys leave? Yeah. Could this be a common thread? Sure. But I think more importantly, guys leave because there's a whole lot of different things going on, family things. And certainly a lot of it has to do with where can I make the most money and where can I, which is the American Association, and where can I get the best name recognition? Where do I feel the most comfortable playing baseball? What coach do I want to work with this upcoming season who might help me get back into the higher levels? There's so many different things going on, both from a financial nature to a personal nature, that it makes it a very difficult thing to pinpoint and isolate one variable. That's why I think your argument's good, because it adds in some complexity and says, yes, maybe this is a common thread among higher name guys that have left but there's also a lot of different variables into this argument that we need to look at exactly and then just quickly wrapping up one of the arguments i also want to point out that i did make was that oftentimes you'll see a time that well the atlantic leaves the top standard league which there's not much of an argument to be had there no not much but to say that the american association isn't comparable isn't also a fair statement to make and i used the example of uh, luke westfall I believe it's pronounced Westful. Yes. Uh, he was pitching in the Pennsylvania teams from 17-18 in, in the Atlantic League and then went to Chicago this past season where he went from a reliever to a starter and his ERA went down in a more offensive league and pitching more innings than he did the past two years combined. So to say that it's not going to be the exact same or that you're going to do better or you're better off in the one league than the other league, it's not exactly a fair thing. If the comparable play, you put up better numbers in an equally as difficult league is really the point. That's right. And I think certainly that's a really compelling argument as well. If you think about it from the standpoint of a player who's looking to really advance their career and advance what they're doing, if they feel like they have a better chance for success in the American Association because of X, Y, or Z factors. A lot of it has to do with coaches or uh, having to do with being closer to home, wherever their hometown may be. These type of things are certainly at play in there. And so if that's what they think, or just working with a certain pitching coach, something like that, that can certainly delineate their decision from what should I be in the Atlantic League or should I be in the American Association, which is a comparable league where I might be able to put up really good numbers as well. And so I think that's a really important argument to say, look, maybe these guys are just leaving because they want to go somewhere else and think they can find a better opportunity and maybe get more innings, like you're saying. Exactly. It just maybe it fits a better role that right. you want to try and get. Yep. So in any case, I think we've talked about the article enough to preface it. Like I said, if you want to find it, it is up exclusively at the moment on IndieBallReport.com under the article's heading. Uh, there is a little bit of a surprise that comes in a couple of days regarding the article, but we'll we'll announce that on the social media when we get there. So, in any case, we could dive into the actual rule, or the actual uh, meat of the show, which is the news topics and whatnot of it, and we're going to start with the pickoff rule. Now, I know what you're wondering. Pickoff rule? What pickoff rule? Well, that's the pickoff rule that the Atlantic League was using last year, where, you know, pitchers have to step off the rubber, then throw over, so it makes it virtually impossible to pick anybody off. And as Frank Viola said, if you get picked off, you're just really bad at base running. Well, that's coming to affiliated minor league baseball. So in 2020, 
all Class A and lower leagues will get this new pickoff rule, at least in the start. And the reasoning behind it is just to increase the base stealing numbers. And in that regard, it is a success. Uh, base stealing went up nearly uh, half a stolen base per game once the rule was implemented last year in the Atlantic League. And then we saw also a, a rapid increase in successful stolen base percentage, which is about uh, 75%, if I'm correct on that. Uh, article is linked as a Baseball America article that will be in the show notes, also on the website. Uh, but generally speaking, Yet again, another move from this uh, partnership makes its way into affiliated ball and presumably, eventually, will be Major League Baseball. So what are we thinking on that front? I'm still not in love with this rule. Uh, I think we've talked about this on the show before that I I don't love this rule. I think it really makes the pickoff a lot less effective than it once was. I think it's not really the greatest of rules. However, uh, the MLB, in their hopes of garnering more offense has made this rule change and i disagree with it i think it's something that is not overly a positive thing for baseball i think it hurts the ability for that little chess match between pitchers mm. and uh the runner on first base and some of the little things that a first baseman can do i played a little bit of first base um, when i played and there's you know there's things you could do there's little signs you could give the pitcher there's some nuance to these things that you can really get a guy if you have an effective move particularly for left-handed pitchers and if you don't have that anymore i think it can be difficult sometimes um to pick them off under this new rule set so i think this rule is something that clearly makes sense if you're trying to drive up runs and like you said 75 percent of stolen bases were successful so uh exactly i think the kind of logic behind it too is if you're going with an abs system which a lot of if not all of minor league baseball is using next year i believe you're going to now be able to have the catcher more ready to throw down to second because they no longer have to worry about framing because wherever the ball is, the ball is. It's going to be a strike or a ball regardless. So that should help negate the advantage that the the runner's going to get, but still give them enough of an advantage to get your desired outcome. Again, I it's a rule where it's like, uh, I wonder how much I'm actually going to notice it and not just go, huh, they're stealing a lot more bases. I wonder why. I think it's more or less that, at least on a casual level. Whether or not I'm in love with it or not, eh. Again, I like. I want to say I, I despise or I don't, but generally speaking, I just think it's kind of stupid and it's a change for the sake of making a change. But all things considered, of the things they could have brought over into affiliated ball, if this is the one thing that comes over, not uh, not that terrible of a thing of all the possibilities. Oh, agreed with that. I think it's certainly not the most terrible of all the rules, but I would say that, look, uh, when the guy's stealing, the catcher isn't worried about framing all that much anyway, mm. so as that differentiation is there. Um, additionally, the other thing is it's not something that you'll notice maybe for the casual fan, but if you've got a guy who's really fast, like a Billy Hamilton, a Brett Gardner, somebody like that, who's really a speedster, although Gardner's kind of getting old now, but somebody who's really a speedster, you know, this allows them to take off on just about any pitch. It, it doesn't matter. They can take out, they can take a huge lead on any pitch because well, of, Prince Fielder could steal with this role. Right. I mean, then that's the issue. And so it, it won't, it'll, it'll do things that make the game a little bit different from the perspective of, 
someone who's really paying attention to the ways in which guys get on base, the ways in which guys get into scoring position. And look, when you, when you have more guys in scoring position, the ERAs are going to go up. So it's going to be something that pitchers are going to be annoyed with because instead of setting up a double play, you're going to have a guy that gets on first base. He's got medium speed. He would have never tried to steal before. He takes off. Now the double play opportunity is erased and you can have pitchers get in a lot more trouble long term with this kind of rule. So I think it does mess with the way that things are done because you just can't pick anybody off i mean you, it's just worthless it's all you almost should just disallow uh pickoff moves i mean it's, it's effectively doing the same thing certainly yeah, as as I we mean, see it in the atlantic league i mean you're not wrong but at the same time again if you're going for offense and stuff that's happening to make people want to watch oh, i agree with then, that i mean it, it accomplishes its goal which i mean as we already know that's kind of the goal with all of these rule changes. It's more action, more things happening on the field to, to garner eyes, and you do it on a low level where the stakes are, well, relatively low. Oh, I that 100%. I mean, that's the truth of it. And yes, it will have that desired outcome. People will get more more offense out of this type of rule. But at the end of the day, like you're saying, the MLB is going to get what they want out of it. Um, whether it's good for uh, someone who wants to watch baseball the way they've always watched baseball is, I think, irrelevant in, in this type of uh, argument that oh, the absolutely. MLB is looking they, for here. They don't care. Yeah, the MLB has stopped caring about that. I mean, we've seen, and as we discussed in past weeks and even last week, they don't really care about their public perception. They're going to do what they want to do, regardless of the of the possible negative side effects. So yeah, they don't they don't care about the ramifications, and they're certainly looking out for their pockets. Yep. And speaking of which, we're going to go now to another topic that revolves around poor public perception, which is the Atlantic League All Star Game format. Now, traditionally, you would see the Liberty versus the Freedom Divisions, like we saw in York last year. Normally, you'll see some something like that. That's the traditional format, but as reported by our friend ALPB News and now Mike Ashmore right before going on, he well, tweeted out his Instagram post, so I call that good enough for me, even though Wills is good enough as it is. Certainly. But regardless of that, the format will be the Atlantic League versus Southern Maryland. So the whole Southern Maryland team is technically an all-star team now, and they will play the rest of the league. Now, this, is, this has been done in the past. Uh, this was done in 2014 against are at the Sugarland All-Star Game. So Sugarland played the rest of the league there. As you can imagine, um, a lot of negative reaction. Yep. Uh, speculating the reason why this decision was made was chiefly due to the fact that players have to pay their own way to the All-Star Game. And the All-Star Game bonus isn't really enough to cover that expense. Now, once they're there, they do get a room put up, I presume, either by the league or by the host team. But that's about it. So... My assumption is because of the location of Southern Maryland being kind of in the middle of the Southern teams and that Northern contingent, the Northeast Corridor contingent, it's just going to be a lot more difficult to get players there. Now, my counter to that would be, well, then don't have them play Southern Maryland, get like the Cuban national team or one of the teams that we saw for a while in the Can-Am League that would come and play there. Now, granted, some of those teams were pretty god-awful, but... I think you bring the Cuban team in, it'll be fine. Now, I'm not sure how likely they are after, you know, Cespedes defected the last time they came to the States. But still, I think you could have come up with something. I mean, how Rockland got Team Israel. Right. I mean, absolutely. The, 
this is the problem with this is, look, Southern Maryland, I'm sure will be very good next year, but they are going to get destroyed by the by all-star, all-star team. team. It's no reflection on the team they're going to no. build. I mean, at the same time, it's going to be like you could have four or five all-stars alone on that team. Yeah. They could play the first half of the season and only lose 10 games. And still, it's not going to be that fair of a fight because they're going to get have to go against the best of the best that have yet to have their contracts purchased and are probably going to want to show off a little bit because, you know, this All-Star game has some meaning because scouts will be watching. Right, absolutely. And it's just, it really makes the All-Star game more of a joke. Like, it makes it more of a campy kind of thing. Like, oh, go see the All-Stars be it bash the brains in of the see, Southern Maryland Brewcats. What would have even been a better idea? And I'm not sure this is set in Estonia because there hasn't been an official announcement. So hopefully so, there's time for change. Exactly. And so if some of the Southern Maryland people are listening, which I think one or two of them that are barely up in the organization do, a great idea for you is you steal what a lot of the uh, major leagues were doing for a while, where they have the draft, where you draft the all-stars that are there, get your list of players in beforehand, pony up enough to form two teams and then just draft two different guys you've been around for long enough now where you could bring in two legends of the team that have been around historically that you know are fairly big names to play there bring them in if they retired or whatever or bring even two local officials i'll even sell the two like the name race to the teams like team whatever and team whatever to some sort of response to help cover the cost of the game you could do something like that. You have a fun little draft thing. You can have it be like picking teams on the Sandlot. Yeah. And do that before uh, like the home run derby and all that stuff that I'm sure will be a part of the festivities. Right. And it doesn't even have to be um, if you if the concern is travel, like you're saying. Yeah, the expense. To right, it, yeah. The expense of the travel. Then you don't, it doesn't even have to be two all-star teams. It could be the Blue Crabs and then the all-star team, but mingled together. And I think that is like uh, that is the way to go. So this way you have the all-starters, you have the, some of the Blue Crab players, and so you have more of a mix. And like you're saying, I think I like the selling the naming rights idea. That's a really good idea. And this way there's a lot more uh, competitiveness to the, <laughs> to the overall structure of the all-star game. Exactly, because off the bat, you, you see some players commenting on the post just going, it's because they're just cheaping out on it and they don't want to have to pay them. If you really want to have full all-stars there, increase the bonus, which I understand their position. I mean, obviously, they're going to want to be paid more. and They're not paid a lot to begin with. Right. So I totally get where they're coming from. But at the same time, you can't get blood from a stone. If there's no money there, they can't give you any more money. They're already in a tough spot. You have to bark up the up the league's tree there to try and get them to force over some money there, but I, I don't see that happening right. either. And even the league isn't exactly cash rich. Let's yeah, they're not a way. cash cow there. I mean, if Major League Baseball was spend some of that money that they got, then they're yeah. hoarding away. Well, maybe maybe Major League Baseball pays for it as uh, <laughs> to to con- to continue the partnership there. Yeah, yeah I, Major League Baseball pay for it, but they'll have to say, "Oh, you got to put in a fifth base." Yeah, you got to put. Yeah. You got to change it. You're now playing on a pentagon. Uh, what, what, it's not I, a diamond anymore. We, it's not a square. It's a pentagon. We're, we're gonna bring in the in the in the the wall. We're, <laughs> we're gonna remove the shortstop. You can only have eight fielders now. Can only have eight fielders. Yeah, you got a guy's got to play right yeah. down the middle of the field. You don't score more runs than the other team in one inning, then you lose a fielder. <laughs> and every time you lose a fielder, and that and the and it doesn't go nine innings, it goes yeah. as it's battle until, wall. Yeah, until one one team doesn't have anybody left. Exactly, you keep going until you run out of players. 
That's the, actually, that'd be a fun little all-star game to yeah, do. It would be fun, yeah. See, that'd be terrible if, it, if the game meant something, but oh, in, in just an all-star setting, oh, that'd be funny. Even uh, if it's just like a wiffle ball game or something. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. But in any case, so that's just the, I wanted to touch on that all-star game format because it is controversial and I understand where the players are coming from. I totally get it. But at the same time, and I understand where the fans are coming from too, because I mean, you want to see the best of each division there if you're going to have divisions, which... A-team league. I'm still in favor of just one giant conference. Let's get the best four into the postseason. But, Agreed. But but that's a whole other discussion for another day. Well, actually, coming up because, you know, wow. Super League thing. But yes. wow. regardless, it's just something of, of note to add. So we'll go now to our final news topic before we get to the Super Indie League discussion, Ooh. which is in Lafayette, Indiana. So Lafayette, Indiana is building a new ballpark, New Lobe Park. And is set to open in 2021, so next season. Currently, the Summer League Lafayette Aviators are scheduled to be the tenant, or at least were on the docket. They played an old Loeb field. They will play at the Purdue University Stadium this year. And then the original plan was for them to be the new tenant. The stadium costs $20 million and seats just under $2,000. Now they're opening up for other clubs to bid on the stadium, to be the tenant of the stadium. Ooh. So, presumably, this is because it costs $20 million, and a summer collegiate league is not going to bring in that money. It is not. So, now they're going to be fielding bids from other groups, and the recommendation will be issued in June, and we will know then what groups have tried to get into this ballpark and probably by i'd say end of july or at the very least the end of the summer we all know who the new tenant will be for 2021 now how does this involve independent league baseball well it's smack dab in the middle of frontier league territory yep and as you you will recall we did get an announcement saying they're going for 20 teams by 2022 which if you're good at math you will note they are quite shy of at the current moment I believe six teams in total shy, even with if you add in Ottawa and if you were to say Old Orchard Beach comes in alongside them, they still are four short. So Lafayette, Indiana, brand new $20 million ballpark. It looks very nice. Uh, I believe the pictures of it are linked in the show notes as well. That would be a very logical spot for them to go as they have noted interest. Steve Tosler, the WGM, the deputy commissioner of the league, has made notes saying, you know, new stadium helps. We're definitely interested in it, but we got to kind of do our due diligence on it before we say one way or the other on it. But Right. I, I think this is definitely a good spot for the Frontier League to go. A new ballpark is always what you're looking for. A lot of times you're, you know, trying to hang, haggle to get yourself into that ballpark mm-hmm. um and sometimes you're trying to haggle to get it built which is really difficult so this is a really good situation where they can kind of come in and we make a good offer and say all right here we go you know this is why the frontier league is you know skyrocketing and trending in a positive direction so let's make sure that we are able to get into this ballpark i think if they are able to get in it'll be a huge addition and a really good one because it's right in the middle of all of the happenings going on it's probably not too far from a lot of the other teams exactly it's smack dab in the middle it's near evansville if i'm correct there but the important thing to also note with this is the high school i believe it is lafayette jefferson high school was told that they will still have this stadium for their home game so whatever team goes in has to schedule around them but granted that'll be figured out by may so i don't imagine there'll be even too much conflict there but even still it'll work out nicely you have them start the year on the road 
because I assume they could do their out east swing to at least start to get their first one out there. Sure. You could put an all-star game right there off the bat. It's not terribly too far west. It's enough where you could probably get both sides to it, being that now you don't really need to go with one of the far east teams to draw those fans in, especially if you have Ottawa there. Indiana to Ottawa is a lot easier than a lot of the other locations. Sure. And so it just makes a lot of sense there. I also wonder if maybe in maybe like a, an Atlantic League maybe intrigued. Uh, obviously, I don't think they'd want to just go with one. I think they want to go with two. But we've heard talk of Mobile being a potential. That's right. So say Lafayette and uh, Mobile go in, which would be Lafayette and Gastonia at the same time, presumably, which would work out interesting. And then if you bring Mobile in, say a year later, so you'd have to deal with uh, if Mobile gets built. That is, of course, right. But. Regardless of that little thing, or not Mobile, the other one, the uh, what was the exact name? Is still is the Mobile Group. That's why I thought it was Mobile. Right, it's um, not Mobile. It's um, it was right down some, by the coast. Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm blanking on the name here, but I want to correct it before uh, before continuing there. You could come. You could bring in Lafayette with the uh, Foley team, not Mobile, but you could bring that in either a year after because you go Gastona and then Lafayette, and then bring in Foley afterwards. Granted, that's not exactly an ideal situation, but you could work it. Uh, but I think Lafayette windup makes the most sense with the uh, Frontier League. Right, absolutely. I mean, I think Lafayette makes a lot of sense for this team and uh, this league. And I think putting a team there would be really, really good for the any team, any league that moves in there, even if it's the Atlantic League. But I think it's particularly primed for the Frontier League. Exactly. The only reason I say Atlantic League really is because they love new ballparks. And if that's do. a brand new ballpark, it's real tempting for them to... Go and grab that, especially they, they're not afraid to go away from where they're normally at. That's right. Especially lately, they've been really moving. Exactly. They go North Carolina, they go Texas, they'll go wherever there is a new stadium for them. That's so, right. Be interesting to watch that play out. But let's get into the meat and bones of this episode. The reason why you are all here, which is the Super Indie League talk. Each going to go through our version of of what our super independent league would look like. It's basically one giant independent league to rule them all. So, in this scenario, all the other independent leagues went under. The team still exists, so you could grab the ones you want. You could tell the ones that you don't want to get lost. You have a whole bunch of options here. So, do you want to get going first with this, or? I'll, I'll acquiesce to you. All right. So, my thing here, it's a, it's a big, it's a lot. So, in my mind, I have, I must have a relegation system here. So, that means we're going to have a couple of tiers okay. for this Super Indie League. In Tier 1, we're going to have the top 20 teams. Okay. This would just basically be determined by, like, a strength of schedule index and then results based off of that. So, you'd see probably all eight of the uh, Atlantic League teams be in that Tier A. I believe there are 12 teams in total in that American Association, so maybe just toss them right in there, minus the Air Hogs, because they just are kind of hapless at the moment. That's right. So I'd knock them down and probably put Sussex up in the top spot there, solely basing Sussex just off of uh, past three years of success, a championship, and then, you know, two games away from a championship. Again, it says a lot there, although New Jersey does make a compelling case being current champion, but whatever it is, that's kind of a detail that could be figured out later on that's not terribly much right hell you could even put an incentive to be start at tier b for these owners to kind of solve the issue itself that's right that's open to play so that'd be 20 teams in tier a and the rest go into tier b tier b is going to be much more of a wild jungle type thing but all the current teams still do remain plus we're going to add a couple of other teams as well so 
how the playoff system and everything's going to work. The top six teams will play for a championship. So your top two seeds will get a bye. The kind of bottom four are going to duke it out. And then eventually, once we get to that point where we're now down to two teams that got the bye and the two remaining teams, we are going to have them square off. Obviously, top team in the division is going to get the, the lowest one. Or maybe even just go with the pick your opponent format that we saw floated around. What was it, last week or the week before in uh, Major League Baseball proposal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, in something like that, I like it a lot better because it's a lot more personal and whatnot. And in that second round, too, he's like, okay, we got tape on them each. They're going to fit better. Plus, you still get the whole dramatic of it. I like that. That's right. That yeah. sense. I like that as well. So... You do that, and then obviously you, you play it like a tournament structure. The two winners of those rounds, they play for a championship, and then you have a champion. Congrats. I like that a lot. Yep. Then the bottom four play a relegation tournament. Now, I'm up in the air if I want this to be kind of a round-robin type thing, or if I just want it to be just straight up the the best of the worst plays the worst of the worst, and then the <laughs> middle two duke it out. Uh, the end result here, though, is... The team that wins that relegation tournament is saved from relegation. The other three are relegated to tier B. And then the top three teams from tier B will get kind of bumped up. I'm not going to focus too much on that B tier. Uh, It's really just kind of a Wild West type thing. It's almost like a pseudo league, but it's not quite the same, being that you have that kind of partnership type thing going on. Right. But uh, it could either be through some sort of tournament in that B level or just the top three from the regular season at all. It's up in the air there. Yeah. Uh, how am I going to construct these rosters if you're in tier A? So roster restrictions, I didn't want too many of them, but I did want to at least have some turnover, some competitive balance in here, and a way to kind of also keep a fair and balance as much as possible. Right. So it's going to be a 25-man roster. That's pretty standard. It's either 23 or 25 across most leagues. And nine of them must be rookies. 18 can have prior experience. Ooh. No limit on the experience. No limit on the age. That just seems restrictive. If you want to, then you can. If not, not. The real restriction comes here in the pay structure I have. So rookies are uh, going to be making between $1,000 a month to $175,000 a month. I think it's fairly neutral total there. That's roughly speaking, I believe, what the Frontier League pays per month. So I believe they're at 16 a year. It's either them or American Association. So these are going to be a little higher paying because I feel like you pay them a bit more. You can attract better quality talent too. Uh, one to four year vet. So you're no longer a rookie. You got through that. You have one year of experience to four years of experience. Uh, your ceiling is the max that a rookie can make now. So it's 175 basically. Okay, yeah. that's a bit. So it's 1750 a month to 3000 a month, which obviously is not great, but it's Far from poor. Right, pretty good. At least for this range. A five to nine year vet. So these are guys, you know, they have five years experience to nine. Uh, that's between 2500 a month and four grand a month. That's pretty good. And then if you're somehow in here for 10 plus years, if you're pulling a Lou Ford on us, between 3000 and 4000 We are capping at 4000 there. Just, I feel like that's a fair cap. I don't think you really need it. I don't see many teams going and dedicating four grand a month to one player. But even still, we'll toss that out there for that. Now, okay. they now there's going to be an argument, well, how are some of these teams going to afford to pay it? Well, that's right. I'm going to have some sort, I would ideally have some sort of a revenue sharing program in that top, in that top tier A thing amongst the 20 teams where they'd all kick in a certain amount and then it'd be evenly distributed across there to just help for stability. Obviously, revenue sharing is going to help. Obviously, if you own a team, you're not going to be thrilled. If you are the Somerset Patriots and you're supplementing, you know, the Napa Silverados or something like that. Sure. Now, 
granted those are the kind of teams where i'd be like drop the axe on them because right. you're playing in a, not a stadium i think when i say independent league i'm saying like oh you have a ballpark that's, that's right kind of a requirement you gotta have league. a ballpark right exactly you need to have some sort of facility that's above a community college level that's right division three or higher be in my mind but regardless of that but say they're supplementing even like say sioux falls i'm not saying they need to be i'm just saying that you know say they are yeah they're in iowa they're probably not going to be drawing in as much money as a team in you know a new york suburb right i'm sure they won't be thrilled that they're supplementing them but at the same time if you're adding stability there there is something to be said there. There is. Then also, if you are in that tier B, you are not in the revenue sharing program. That is just something that's exclusive to that tier A. Oh, I like that. And I do think that having the revenue sharing bit, at least for these lower teams, is more of an incentive to try and go all out, get into that thing so you can help afford that team. And it does raise some value there. I understand from a business aspect, too, a relegation system is not popular at all. Right. I mean, you don't want to be buying a team that's in the top of the tier A consistently. Right. Lose all your players, lose the personnel that built that roster, that constructed that roster, that coached that roster, and then wind up being relegated and being in the drudgery of tier B and having just a huge loss in your investment. But it's minor league sports, too. So, I mean, I kind of think you get in expecting to lose a certain amount of money. And I also think there's a, there'll be a lot of jockeying in that type of a system as well. Exactly. There's a lot to be had there. So, there is a revenue sharing program. There is the salary there. Like I said, uh, some of the teams I would like to add, because I did mention I'd want to add some teams, I would like to see a team added to Atlantic City. I think that has a lot of potential there. We've discussed that at nauseum. Yes, we have. Uh, Old Orchard Beach, we spent like two whole episodes on them That's right. in the past as well. So my reasoning is there. Lafayette, we just talked about for all those reasons and more. I'd like to see them added in there as well. And then uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Now, at the moment, they are in that category where they would like they would most likely need a newer ballpark. I know there are some rumblings, but not too much of that happening. Where it's just not getting the traction it's going to need to get off the ground. But should they get that, that would be a market I would love, 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 love to have in there. That's a great market. Absolutely. Yeah, and then I would also try to look at some of these 42 markets and see what's going to play out there as well. Yeah. But generally speaking, just to recap everything, I would have a tier A and a tier B where you'd have all the major independent league teams still existing. Probably draw on some of the other kind of lesser ones. Add in those markets. You would have the 20 teams in that tier A, top six play for the championship, bottom four play to stay in, bottom three to tier B, top three from tier B come up, a revenue sharing program, and paying players, I don't want to say a livable wage because that's not quite that yet, but more than what you're normally going to be making in independent league baseball, at least as an average. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So mine would be a little bit different, right? So I would have... I've. I have 20 teams total. That's it. You get 20 teams, and I would do this based on the most economically stable. Uh, so I, that's how I would evaluate them and grade them. Uh, the most economically stable, the ones that will be able to last for a long time would be the ones that I would take into this league, uh, the ones that have the, the most stability moving yeah. forward. Um, so those would be markets like, say, Long Island, Long Island Somerset, Somerset, Rockland. Rockland um, you know, the ones that are really... St. Paul, Saint Winnipeg. Paul, right. You're, you're the ones you would consider the most esteemed, the most well-established, yep. the most visited. Sugarland and whatnot. Yep, Sugarland, the most visited. Your best, your best. That's yep. what I want. So you get those great ballparks in there. I want great facilities. I want great fans. I want really great... Um, and that was 20 teams? 20 teams. Yep. yep. So uh, two divisions... 10 in each division. 
Okay. And then the top three teams in each division making the playoffs, having a, a round total- one buy for the top seed, then I would assume. Right. Round one okay. buy for the top seed to play each other. And then the two uh, division champions would ultimately play, play each for the other. championship. For the championship. Okay. Um, I like the pay thing uh, with you. I'm not sure if revenue sharing would work um, in minor league baseball. I mean, it certainly wouldn't be popular. It wouldn't that be popular. Much. Then you um, would have to fight tooth and nail for that. Yeah, so I would say I would I would cap mine. Um, probably, I, I, I like the idea of three. I think three is a good number for, for my total cap. I wouldn't have too much restriction otherwise on paying players. I would, you know, obviously I think you need to take a look at that number, and that number changes, can change, yeah. depend on years and things like that, and how much money the league is taking taking in um it can certainly go up if you have a big boom and everyone's doing really good you got to share the wealth um exactly and there's also other outside factors that affect costs as well absolutely so it all depends on the finances of those things there but i do think i would say i would say three would be my my limit of um or my maximum for how much you can pay a player per month it's not great but it's exactly it's yeah it's kind of the nature of the game of independent league baseball um I would say also another thing that I would really want to do and that would be really important is having a the number of guys on the team be 26. So one okay. extra guy. Um, I would have no minimums. You can have any player of any age. I don't need rookies. You can have any player, anyone, all, and you can have 26. So uh, the only cap I would put on it is 25 guys. You can do whatever you want. That one sixth player has to at least... Uh, have some experience in other professional leagues. So if we're yeah. going to say you can even be... So a 26 guy has to be a veteran of some experience. Right. A, a veteran of some experience. Um, it doesn't matter in what league. It can be in the league, the Super League, right? It can yep. be in the Atlantic League. The uh, Now, if we're call- saying they're all defunct, it could be um, Major League Baseball, independent... Uh, affiliated, affiliated Baseball, affiliated baseball foreign, foreign Leagues. Foreign Leagues, anything like that. It's got to be one guy who's a veteran. Um, and then, you know, you can do whatever, whatever else you want with the roster. And then um, I think the the other thing that would be important to this league would be really making sure that you have a strong centralized um, commissioner's office that really understands and puts out press releases and news releases and really does a good job with getting information out about the league, mm-hmm. does a big marketing campaign. A lot of the marketing that would be done for these teams I would want through that centralized. Okay, so you want more of just like the league promoting itself as opposed right. to the teams promoting themselves. Right. So this way, taking a lot of that marketing burden off and having a really strong marketing department for each of these. And you can have you know a different person dedicated to each of these teams. Now, I'm going to check challenge you on that one point though real quickly okay would you say that a central office would be better suited for these individual markets as opposed to the teams themselves who would presumably know their market better would an office that's based out of let's just call it chicago because that seems pretty central would a market based out of chicago know how to market to suburban new york better than rockland would what i would say is you would have to have absolutely you need a direct link between Hmm. that centralized um commissioner's office the centralized leagues office and the uh, whatever team let's say rockland for example because mm. we used it you'd have to have partnership there there would need to be everything that the league is sending out about a particular team needs to be approved mm. by that team. so it'd be more like the team will send all their press material to the central office and the central right. office would distribute it from there right and the central office would distribute it from there and the team would have to um re- would sign off on anything the league yeah. released so would this just be more or less 
to give more of a unified appearance across right. the league as opposed yes. to kind of scatter plot. Right. To to give a unified appearance across the league and to make sure that every team is marketing in the most effective way possible using the best data that you can use and marketing themselves effectively. Some teams like the Patriots are so great at marketing. They do a really fantastic job. You see it all the time. Other teams just don't market. You just don't know what they are. Like uh, the New Jersey Jackals have been a uh, b- previous owner, not talking about Dorsa, but previous so Floyd owner, Hall. We're talking right, Floyd Hall's era. I, I didn't know what the New Jersey Jackals were. I, I had lived in the state of New Jersey my entire life and did not know what the New Jersey Jackals were. Yes, until, but you live in the Boondocks, right? I do live in the Boondocks, but I'm saying, and I, but I spent a lot of time in in the area right around. Um, Jackals Park. So, uh, and I'm not saying this to to go on on the Jackals or anything like that. All I'm saying is, you need to have a certain level of engagement and interest. And I think the best way to do that is to uh, market through this direct, um, this direct league commission there. Um, and is there anything else? Uh, I'm. I got a couple of things sure. I'm going to throw out for uh, both of us. Okay. Cool. Uh, as far as um, I'll circle back to mine, so that way you have some time to think about this. For rules, are we going to be going with the, this weird hybrid partnership type rules based thing? Are we going to be going with just centralized, like standard, the basic stuff? Because I know for me personally, I do want to take some of the things from this partnership. I definitely think there are some materials there that can be used. The, the larger base I do like. I like the three batter minimum. I do agree with trying to speed up time in between innings to keep that going, keep that flowing. Um, there's a couple other things I would like to see kind of attempted here. I know that there's going to be pushback. It's going to be restraints here, but I'd like to see at least on this level, I'm trying to find the best way to kind of word it. I do like where it's about the ABS because I do think there is merit there. And I do think, especially going to be an independent league, that's goal is to move players back into affiliated baseball or to the major leagues. You do need that ABS because it's going to be, it's going to happen. So to just kind of ignore and keep the old way, you're limiting yourself and it's going to come back. And I think you do need the advanced data. So I would, I want something like that. I do like having umpires, having veto authority, I would also keep heavy rain on that, though. If you see one umpire has an outrageously high veto number where, let's say, they're vetoing 25% of all their calls, but the average for everybody else is somewhere between, say, 3 and 10%, then I'd be like, uh, why do you have over double what everybody else has? Yeah, I, I would I actually agree with that. I would take, I think, at this point, Ba- the, the genie's out of the bottle, right? The, yeah. There's no, you can't close Pandora's box here. You cannot say, all right, we're going to play baseball the way we always have and stuff the, try to stuff the genie back in. You, you'll, you'll fail. Your league will collapse because mm. there'll be other opportunities for players to go play where they can get their data looked at. They can do all these things. So absolutely, I'm taking what I would think are some of the best rules, right? Some of the rules, and, mm. and I would take this in the most democratic way possible and talk to as many players as I could if I were a league commissioner and get the vast majority from a wide spectrum of players, owners, and umpires and see what were the best rules, what worked, what didn't, and I would take the best rules. Um, like you said, the larger bases makes a lot of sense to me. The three batter minimum I love. And like I think you need to take the trackman, right? I think yeah. you need to take the ABS. You need that data. Without that data, your league is is automatically going to be second tier. It's just because of how much analytics is a driving right. factor in baseball now, for no other reason that. But if you did need another reason, like I said, I think you are going to see within the next ten years, ABS is going to be the way balls and strikes are called 
throughout most of organized baseball. Like the exception is going to be high school level ball because they just can't afford the, the right. system. Absolutely. That's just, just how it's going to be. So you're I feel and, like and you're future proofing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I bet even state championship games oh, yeah. are gonna be called with uh an ABS system in 10, 20 years. That or at least some higher level ones where you see like the non public ones, like the kind of bigger name fields. Right, yeah. The the really big a really big high school baseball game might get called with that in 20, 10, 20 years down the road. Yeah, that or if you have some sort of large tournament among them, because I know right. like yeah, a lot of times that. you'll have like the IMG academies and whatnot sure. that will go and play in the tournament. So I could see a tournament having that. Right. Even even something like um there, you know, they do spring trainings uh down sometimes and they'll do a week spring training with certain baseball teams, and I could see something like that having yeah. an ABS system. But yeah, so back to back to the leagues, I definitely yeah. need uh, as much automation um, as a, as it will be allowed by a lot of the players, right? I mean, I think you don't need to go too crazy with it, but I do think that you ha- need to be able to have that trackman, that data, and a certain level of automation with the veto power uh, of the umps yeah. and similar constraints, I would say. Um, and the other thing that I, I really think would be important with the rules is to have them set in stone, and then once they're set in stone, they're done. There's no messing with them. These are the rules. We are playing by they the rules. They don't get reopened they until the get, season ends. Right. Until get, the official start of the new league year. Yep. They don't get reopened until, um, and then, and it has to be. Uh, is there a minimum date, like a deadline beforehand? So you can't just go four days before our opening day. Oh, by the way, we're adding this for the new year. Yeah. There, there's going to be, there's a like window. Like by, say, the start of spring training. Yeah. Let, there's a window. There's, uh, let's say. Let's say the league ends October 15th. October 15th, it's got to, everything's got to be in place, ready to go, ironed out by January 1st. And if it, if there's no release by January 1st, forget it. Well, what day, what time would you be starting to run the league from? Because I know I'm just going to throw out for mine because that's something we kind of overlooked here too. I would be saying May 1st would normally be my start date and then run, have a regular season that runs through September 1st. September being the postseason, and by the first week in October, we're done. Yeah, I would have, like, maybe May 10th would be my start date, a little okay. bit later in May, maybe middle May, um, moving on, and then I would have it end in October, in probably late, uh, or middle October, uh, okay, early so to around October, the same time. around the same time, um, but I, I would say I would want that done in January for this rationale and this rationale only, that because if you cannot... Because uh, I want players the opportunity to know when free agency is coming and when all these things are happening that they're what they're getting themselves into. So if there's going to be any changes, if there's going to be any structure changes, they will know everything by January 1st and they can make those informed decisions. And this way teams can get the best available talent. See, in my mind, I'm giving them until about the start of spring training. I'm going to say role changes can be made up to that first week of spring training. I think at that point, you have plenty of time still. You kind of knew what you were getting into. Plus, with the pay structure, at least of my league here, it's still paying fairly well. That's right. So, it kind of is like, well, here's part of your offset. Uh, Moreover, I also do want to add one kind of gimmicky rule to my league because it is independent league baseball, and we have to be honest about this. There's not many people that are going to stay for extra inning games. There's going to be a certain limit when people are going to say, I'm done. So, excluding playoffs, because playoffs obviously have to just play until you have a winner. It's as simple as that. That's right. For regular season, once we get to the 12th inning, that is going to be the end of it. Now, what I always am vehemently against is ties. I hate ties. Ties are like the worst possible thing for everybody involved. The fans feel like they don't have a result. The players feel like they 
didn't quite lose, but they didn't quite win either. So you're in this very weird quasi zone and they wind up just complicating standings at the end of the year because it's, it just makes everything more of a headache to have just wins and losses is a, is the best policy here. Agreed. So I do put in one thing. It is rather gimmicky. We did see it in the Atlantic League All Star game last year. I want a home run derby to end things. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of pushback here going, that's not real baseball. How could you do that? Yada, 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 that kind of thing. But my counter to that is the concessions are being shut down at 9 o'clock as it is. And if it's a Thursday night in the middle of June when there is no day off the following day, I guarantee you, you could have a ballpark of 5,000 filled. It will clear out. And by the top of the 11th inning there will be maybe a thousand people left and by the bottom of the 12th it'll be down to triple digits absolutely you you need to wrap that thing up quickly you're not making that much in sales and it's free baseball so that means someone's paying for it and you are (laughs) exactly and already you're going to have ownership that's not going to be thrilled about the fact they're paying players more and that they're going to have to do a revenue sharing thing and that they're risking their property being devalued being the team that is so you have to make some sort of concession on it. and to be honest if it's a home run derby that's the concession that's fine i go ahead and say you pick three batters that go up they each get three outs whoever hits the most home runs by the end of that fine if by the end of three batters apiece we still have a tie then you pick one guy and we keep swinging until we wind up having our end result. You give him 10 pitches, whatever the case is, and you just rinse and repeat until we get a winner. I don't think we're going to have to go more than a handful of rounds here. Yeah, you probably wouldn't. So I, I actually like that. I wouldn't do it. I'm not bold enough to do yeah. that in my league um, where I had to create a league. I, would, I wouldn't be bold enough to do that, although I, I think your point is extremely, extremely mm. valid from the perspective of let's say this is may right let's yeah. say this is a, a it's an late, early may yeah yeah it's may early, 7th right it's may 7th and it's a thursday afternoon game like or a thursday evening game like you're saying and you got to get kids to school for friday and all, everyone in the ballpark is probably you know these things are usually family affairs so everybody's there with their kids and they're you know they're trying not to stay up late i mean it's it's going to be very difficult to get the kids back in a timely manner if you're going to play you know 12 13 14 15 innings so yeah i think this is an interesting way to do it like i said i i don't know if i would do it uh just because mm-hmm. i think that like you said the, the same for the same kind of reasons also i think it, it's it's more um more effort for the players, more work for the players uh, than even playing a normal game would be. However, I'm not sure if that's exactly true. I think that's one of the arguments you can have, but I, I don't. I ultimately think that would be true. Mm. But I think for me, I would leave it. I would leave it there. I would say just a normal, normal baseball. Uh, whoever wins, wins. However many innings you got to play. Uh, although I would probably, I would cap it at twenty. I would cap it point. if you if, if you play twenty innings, then you know maybe you put a guy on second base or something. Uh, you know, well, already you got the second base rule in pretty much every league. Now. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I would certainly use the second base rule at some point. Yeah, yeah. All right, so then there's two other points I want to bring up. It's okay. basically how are people going to be able to watch and listen to the game, and then how are we going to get players from home stadium to away stadium? Because in my case, it's obviously going to be a lot more difficult with the relegation system and whatnot. And with the year, you've got 20 teams that can be spread across the country. You could be going to play three games of Winnipeg, then down to Grand Prairie, and then out to Somerset, and then over to Evansville. So right. I'll give you that first. Okay, so the first transportation one, first, and then uh, transportation first, and then watching. And yeah, and then how are you gonna? 
get the media figured out. Okay, so from a transportation aspect, um, I would have require each team to have their own bus, so their own bus that they um, either rent or they own, whatever works for the team there. Um, I would use that, except for exceptions, depending on if you got a really bad travel, I would allow the league to just have a certain budget for the teams to fly. I think that would be a really what big thing. What would be that kind of mileage limit? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I won't, I don't want a pre- precise mileage limit on it, but I would say something, something so severe where it would be, let's say it's over like, uh, you know, six, 500 miles or something. Over like 500 that. miles? Right. Okay. Over 500 miles. Something so, something that if you did a bus ride the next day, you just would not be able to play baseball in, quite in the same way or you wouldn't be able to get there. Um, uh, and, you know, something really severe like Canada to Texas or something like that. Okay. So <laughs> right. it's like Winnipeg to Grand Prairie, right. which is an actual thing. Right. Yeah. That yeah. I would, right. Let's say Winnipeg to Sugarland. Yeah. I would, I would do, um, I would fly. I would allow the, each team would get a budget from the league every year. Um, and they would, they would do that. And, and as to kind of pay for that, I would make sure that, um, you know, there's certain um, percentage if a team makes money, um, to kind of pay for that, they would offset it, um, by giving a certain percentage to the league. Um, mm. you know, maybe one, 1% or whatever, not even half. So percent. if they, if they can, then they would pay back. If that. they can, they would pay it back for the year. So this way you don't have the league hemorrhaging money. Yep. Um, but if, if you do, uh, but if they cannot, there's no point in trying to, to, like you said, get blood from a stone. Yeah. If they <laughs> just don't have the money, then they can't afford to pay the money. Right. Uh, just as a kind of general thing here, just to kind of point out, uh, roughly speaking, how far 500 miles is. That's basically northern New Jersey to about halfway to two-thirds of the way down in North Carolina. That's just roughly speaking what it would be. That's the worst so, bus trip you're going to get. Yeah. So, I, Which I, I think it's fair when you think about it. Yeah, I don't think that's too bad. And I would, like I said, I would try to, I want this league to be the premier league. I want this to be the top league for independent league baseball. I want this to be the best league. So I think you have to treat your players with a certain level. And, and especially because we're capping it at 3,000, so you're not paying teams, a, you're paying players as much. So teams have a little bit less of a burden. I think there has to be some give and take for the players. They have to have some level of fairness there. Right. Um, and do you want, want to go or, or uh, you, you go might on? as well just wrap with the media part. Wrap with the media part. Yep. Okay. So um, with the media part, uh, I, I would do like the um, Can Am League used to do, where they for put for have the one central right, stream. The one site. central yeah, Frontier League's going to be doing that again in case people were wondering. Right. It's going to be the same principle. Yeah, I would do the Frontier League. One central streaming service every game, every week. Although I would have, um, I would have representatives from the league. Again, I really want a, uh, a strong, a central, strong central league there where you have people go out and, you know, not, you don't necessarily need to broadcast. I would, I would require some kind of a deal between a radio station and, and every team so that they were broadcast on radio. On radio. Um, and I would, I would hope I would encourage every team to have their own app. Um, with that mm-hmm. radio on there, um, because I think that's a really effective way yeah. to get uh, more listeners. But I would, uh, but I don't think you could require that because those things are very expensive to get get an app. Um, but I would say that that would well, be the radio deal. I imagine just as bad, right? Yeah, radio deal is probably just as bad. So, but I, but to do it on top of it would be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that having a radio deal would be really important, and then you can put that radio deal into the um, broadcasts, which would be. The uh, f- so you simulcast right. the, the Simul- you simulcast the the radio broadcast with a live stream of the video with the live stream of the video and the live stream would be kind of taken over by those people from the centralized um, league just because I want there to be a certain quality of video that sometimes mm-hmm. we didn't always get with 
you know, certain people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of it that's just kind of a difficulty when you can only set up one camera that's behind a net, that's behind whole plate. You're just not going to get. Plus, right. you got to figure you have entrance manning cameras, which off the bat is going to be right. touch and go there. Um, I'm going to take the baton from you now as okay. far as my travel bit. I'm going to be going with that's on the team to figure it out. Uh, if you can, af- it's again going to be one of those where if you're a richer team, this is going to be a benefit you're going to have. You could afford to, you know, put your team on a coach plane and get to wherever you need to go to quicker. Or you could just throw them on a bus and send them up there. It's on you as long as your team gets to the game. However you do is however you do it. Uh, as far as the actual media goes, this is one area where I'm going to really be like draconian on. You're going to have to do it a certain way. I would like one central league app, similar to the AAF app, yeah. where you can watch it on the go. You can watch it on your phone. You could stream it. You could Chromecast it. You can do whatever you need to do to get it. I want it widely available there. There could have a whole slew of other in-app features there that may or may not cost money but the app itself is free and if you just want to stream the game that much is free to go for two Uh, as far as other ways i want this out i would like one game a week that would be broadcast uh, via twitter or something like that a social media again free a game of the week thing this is one thing where as a league i would want to hire one two maybe a crew of total four personalities and set up several camera stations i want one first base side one third base side one or two in the outfield and then one behind home plate so that way we could see the whole field and put on a real professional looking a major league feeling type of broadcast i want two personalities in the booth i want one person that's kind of running around this on the field getting the interviews from players from coaches i want one person kind of doing the reporting and doing all that i want a whole really in-depth feeling type of broadcast i want it to be really authentic and i want to have a very low barrier of entry there ideally and i can't mandate every team have a broadcast team right uh because it's all going to be through that app plus if they want to live stream it themselves on their own team and have like their own network like somerset has the patriot network there right Mm -hmm. if they want to do something like that feel free to do that it's even better i want to encourage content creation i want as much stuff out there one thing i would also encourage teams to do but not force them to do would be saying try not to enforce the rights to your footage i want as much stuff there if teams if you have fans out there that want to make a montage by all means allow them to use that footage they want to use your name and likeness as long as it's not damaging to the brand by all means allow them to do that do not go after that it's all free press i want to encourage that free press that new media as much as possible there's a reason why i'm well, if I had an opportunity to have a TV deal, I wouldn't say no to it. I'm not seeking that out. A, you're not going to get a fair cut. B, there's a certain limitation to it. And C, the future is through digital. It's through new media. Agreed. Hammer that aspect home. That's really my main takeaway here. I want them streaming through an app. I want them streaming individually through Teams. And I want one weekly broadcast call it baseball Saturday or whatever it is, pick whatever day of the week you want it. We'll look through and say, this is the, or this series is the premier series. We're going to pick the rubber game from this series, game two or three, whichever looks better, whatever has the better pitching matchup or whatever it may be. We're going to make this the game that's going to be streamed on Twitter and we're going to make it all out. We're going to go full out on it. We're going to really impress. 
Yeah, I think that's really smart. That That's a great media plan to have there. And I really think that that's the way to go. Uh, certainly with the social media aspect, that's huge. I think um, even like you're saying, Twitter, Instagram, even Facebook Live, you could do any of those kind of things. Also, something that I think would be interesting is trying to get on because there's so many streaming services now and mm-hmm. trying to get on one of these streaming services for live for your live game. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really interesting, even if it is like a game of the week type of thing, like you're saying, mm-hmm. if you can get on to these streaming services um, for one game a week, like a Hulu because Hulu has live yeah. sports. Uh, <laughs> And so I, I would definitely have something like that. Um, maybe try to. I, th- yeah. I think that could be very, uh, very beneficial if you get it. But I think the cost on that would also be <laughs> could yeah. be quite problematic. Yep. But I think that's a pretty good wrap up of everything. I think we've seen how we developed these leagues, and now we'll go to one last thing here, really today, which is a rapid fire. There is a whole slew of topics and whatnot, so I definitely wanted to include them here. We'll pull out the trusty timer as usual. We'll put seven minutes on the clock because there are some actually in-depth ones here that weren't quite enough for a full segment. And if it was a poor week, it would have been a full segment. But because we had a full week as it was, it goes to the rapid fire. So put seven on the clock and we will go now. First thing up, uh, American Association League tryouts. There's a tryout for St. Paul in May, also a tryout for Milwaukee in May, but the general big camp for the league itself, April 15th and 16th at Airhawk Stadium in Grand Prairie, Texas, costs us $200. All information is linked in the show notes if you want to check that out. Uh, St. Paul camp, I believe, is free to attend. You just got to bring your own equipment. That is, I believe, May 5th, and men, and then the uh, Milwaukee one, I believe, is May second that one i believe was 75 at the gate or 50 in advance all that information like i said linked in the show notes just got to go through the right link yep absolutely that's a going to be a very interesting thing you've got those uh three teams there and it'll be very um good for those all those who want to go out and do that yep exactly i know we got a lot of players that listen so i figure throw the opportunity out to them in case they weren't aware yep all right next thing uh this is the one that's really fun so the st paul saints known for their crazy promotions have got what well, maybe their best yet. Oh yeah. They will be doing an Astro the Grouch giveaway. This game is May or not May, it is June 31st or July. Dear God, I can't remember the calendar anymore. It's July 31st. The game is sponsored by the letters C and S. And you will get an Astro the Grouch, which is basically Orbit the Astros mascot in a trash can and if you press the button it will start banging on the trash can and call out the pitch so it may yell out fastball curveball whatever it may be even more than that there's um, there is more here they will also have a two inning workshop for children that will teach them why it's wrong to steal and cheat and then let's say you made a mistake you got a bad tattoo well they got a tattoo artist of that game too that will help cover up those mistakes so Let's say you got a, a significant other's name and that's no longer working for you. Just get that fixed. Maybe you meant to say no regrets and you got no regrets now. <laughs> we can fix that too. So that will all be at the game. That is oh. July 31st. First 1,500 fans get the Astro the Grouch can. Oh, I want an Astro the Grouch can real bad. I mean, that is That's a fantastic That promotion. is fantastic. I mean, I don't care. Like, we don't have to get moralistic about the Astros. Everyone's going to do it anyway. I don't really need to get moralistic. That's just great marketing, great promotion. It's just St. Paul being St. Paul. I mean, this is just phenomenal. I mean, if you think about it, they're taking this thing that is everyone's been talking about in the sports world, and they're just latching 
latching onto it and running with it. And oh, gonna... if you love that, you should read the press release for it. Oh, really? Is it great? Oh, yeah. They said the sports, uh, the baseball world's been buzzing this offseason with controversies. They tossed buzzing in there, uh, tossed like banging on the trash can reference a couple of times. They said, in case you'd, in case you're a little shy to take your shirt off, don't worry. We could cover up the mistaken tattoo for you. Oh gosh, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's it's clever. It's using the Astros' misfortunes uh, and turning them into something that'll be really, really um, promotionally helpful for them. And they're gonna get so much airtime over that when it finally oh, God, happens. It was, it was just gonna be phenomenal. Such a great idea. I love that one. In any case, we kind of move on now. Uh, the Jackals unveiled their championship ring. It's a very sleek design. It's not very bold at all talking to some of the guys that were involved in that design they said yeah we want a ring that you could actually wear that's not really big and gaudy and it is very sleek it's kind of got a modern look to it uh we linked the the release tweet to it in the show notes so you can take a look at it there but it's just a nice thing i wanted to mention it yeah nice thing to mention uh and it can't be any gaudier than the sussex county miners oh god that thing's gaudy <laughs> that hell. thing was gaudy <laughs> But it looked like a championship ring. It looked like a championship ring, yep. Uh, any case, Chuck Stewart was named the hitting coach of Somerset. Uh, he also held this position with New Britain last year. He also coached the North Bears for a year. Uh, he also coached the Jackals for a little bit. He coached in Lincoln for a little bit. He's kind of been a, a traveling guy. He's a New Jersey native, though. He played baseball for Will Pat in, uh, I believe, 1982 before being picked by the Cubs in one of the later rounds. And now he's here. Uh He's a good hitter, or not, well, he is a good hitter, but he's a he's a good hitting instructor. He helped the bees do well, do surprisingly well last year. Right. And, you know, he's a New Jersey guy. Bring him back home, and I think I'll, I, it's hard to critique him. Right, I think it's a good move. That's William Patterson University, yep. for those listening not familiar with William Patterson. Uh, but yes, that, that is certainly a really good uh, pick up for the Patriots, and let's be honest, they can't do any worse than they did last year. Uh, so oh, absolutely. Plus, they already lost one hitting coach right, this year. That's right, so he's playing with house money. Exactly, so we will now shift to some Kansas City T-Bone news. Uh, the T-Bones unveiled their new logo. It is very similar to the old logo. It has a giant T in the middle for T-Bones and a what looks like a steer just holding a bat ready to swing it changed up the colors it's now instead of a kind of burgundy maroon color it is now a heavy red blue and kind of off-white type scheme yeah i like it a lot it pops um they didn't do too much change like you're saying kind yeah, of minimal, kind of updated it kind of updated it i like it and there's not much to dislike about it yeah. i mean i think it's it's, it's a logo yeah right, it's a logo but I, I like it i like that they added the nice bright red it pops and makes it look nice exactly uh also sticking with the t-bones they are going to be redoing all their sweets <clears throat> adding a bar behind home plate they're going to add a beer garden, several pickleball Ooh. courts, a bourbon and cigar deck, plus Ooh. many more. It's going to be over the course of the first 10 weeks, so it won't be all ready for opening day. And then some of this will also extend into next year, but this is a lot to be doing, so it's going to take some time to get going there. But clearly new ownership is dumping a lot of money into this team and really trying to make it the best that they possibly can. Yeah, you know how much I love my stadium renovations. I think this is going to be quite phenomenal for them. I think this will be a good thing for the T-Bones. Anytime you get a new ownership group in, you want them to refresh, refurbish, and 
add in a uh, cigar and bourbon deck. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. So does that beer garden. This is great because the parents will have something, the kids will have something. It's really a good thing uh, for the whole family. I think this is a great move by the T-Bones. Exactly. And this is going to make it a lot more of a 365 facility, which is definitely what you want to see, especially after cons- after considering the trouble that the last ownership group had. That's right. Falling that far into debt, you now have a group that's going to put the money in. They're going to have a nice partnership with the unified government hopefully avoid having these problems going forward in the future and just generally speaking improving the stadium that was already very nice to begin with so you're really going to attract a lot more more events and whatnot there and hopefully keep the t-bones there past the five years they agreed upon and continuing to use those renewals that they have on that lease and that does it for the rapid fire round we got through the rapid fire, we did our Super Indie League, we did our usual news, and we talked about the articles. So the one thing I have left to plug before we do all our normal plugs is this one idea I've had, and I went to mention it last week, but I'm going to mention it this week because if I don't, then I'm going to forget. I'm really, what I really want to do this year, the one thing that if we don't do anything else different that we did during the season last year, so I want to have an AP-style ranking of independent league teams. I want to have that kind of national ranking. Now, I'm what I don't know is do I want to do like a say a 10 team, a 15 team? How is that going to work out? Because this is going to be very similar to doing any sort of a college thing, because you're going to have to factor in these different leagues, these different conferences. You're going to have your, you know, your power three. That's right. And then you're going to have your kind of lesser ones, and you're going to have to figure that out. Plus, they start at different intervals. Atlantic League obviously has a major head start in some of these other leagues that, that's right, yeah. that are going, so that's going to be factored in there as well. Plus, you also need a lot of pollsters for this. Just us isn't enough. Nope. Uh, I have a couple of people in mind that I'd ask, but I would love to hear more from the audience, either email or DM or however you wish to contact us. Do so. Smoke signals also are effective. Smoke signals are effective, yes. I'd like to know who you would think that. I think in my mind, 10 to 15, again, is a good number of people to pull in, preferably media types, but not you know the kind of outrageous reaches a lot of people that do podcasts maybe a guy like will would be a good fit right um some other folks like that i think are ideally where it is where realistically we could get them involved and there is a benefit to them they could explain through their reasons we would just be the ones that would announce the official ranking that would happen when you put them all together and obviously how you would do this would be like say number one team gets 10 points and then the number 10 team has one point and you do so like that and you keep ranking it up and you add it up and at the end of everything you have your ranking yeah so. i think that would be a lot of fun i think that would be one of those things that could really catch on and, and ultimately could be really helpful for fans out there uh, if they're looking to see if their team is good that year because there's a lot of people who just don't pay attention to those type of things and if you have something that's right in front of you oh this team let's say the Somerset Patriots for argument's sake they're really good they're in the number one spot okay this week and then you can you know say oh maybe I will go check out a Patriots game because uh, I see that they're in the number one spot. That and also you have a lot of debate coming from it teams would like to promote that certainly if it gets to a point where it has some prestige to it. That's right. More than that though I'm just so tired of seeing power rankings because I see yeah. power rankings a lot. And it's just, it doesn't really, if it's an eight-team league, it doesn't mean much. Plus, there's so much more potential than just outside of power rankings. They get so boring. They the do. same thing's going to be the case. You're just going to be shuffling deck chairs, really. The top three are almost always going to remain the same. And the bottom ones are going to be always shuffling. Like this year for Atlantic League, it's going to always be Road Warriors at the bottom. Yep. Given the way that Lancaster's making moves, I peg them at the spot above them. Then probably alternate between, 
Southern Maryland and York in that last bit. Yeah. Sugarland may drop down there when they decide they no longer want to play baseball. And then when they realize, oh shit, we need to start playing baseball again because we're getting dangerously close to missing. They're going to jump back up. Yeah, maybe. Then the top three are for the most part in the year going to wind up being high point because they're high point. And yep. apparently they're a powerhouse team now. Apparently. And then the constant two of Somerset and Long Island. Unless Somerset decides that offense really isn't necessary in the game of baseball, just pitching is. Right, yeah. So yeah, I think that for all those reasons that you're saying there, power rankings get tedious, they get boring after a while. Something fresh, new like this, especially if you get a lot of different eyes on it, a lot of different um, intake uh, input into this, I think you can really, really do a good job. I think this would be a lot of fun to do. And I think the fans would really get something out of it. I think it would exactly. be more than power rankings because power rankings are like, oh, this team's great and we're going to leave them in this top spot for the next, you know, <laughs> until the However season's many. over. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, definitely tell us what you think about that because that's something yeah. I really want to do. And if you have, either if you have some sort of media presence where you think that maybe you want to be a part of doing the ranking or if you have some suggestions for people that you want us to get ranking. Now, I will tell you off the bat, if you say something like Mike Puma or an actual like beat reporter for a major league club or a professional reporter that will not take the time out of their day to do this because it will take some length of time to do this, I am going to immediately disregard it entirely and I will probably just send you a message that will be something to the extent of, oh yes, we'll consider that and I'll immediately toss in the pile of things I'm not considering. Please keep it to realistic suggestions just for everybody's sake. So no Mike Lupka? No. Oh. No Mike Lupka. <laughs> uh, but I think we've gone long enough. Supposedly we've gone about an hour and 20 minutes. Wow. So we definitely was a jam-packed show. We almost went a month without having an hour-long show, though, which is hard to believe, but that is in fact the case. So let's get the plugs and let's get out of here. You can find us on just about every podcatcher out there that's imaginable. So tune in, Stitcher, Podomatic, Spotify, iTunes, you know the whole deal. You can find them there. So be sure to like the podcast there. Be sure to rate the podcast there. Helps us grow, helps us get more views. You know the usual spiel and be sure to subscribe as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You will see just a lot of retweeting and a lot of constant news. It's the easiest place to push that out on. If you want strict independent league baseball news and some occasional funny takes and whatnot, sure to head over to our Instagram page, IndieBallReport. That's where you'll see a lot of transaction news getting posted there. You can also find individual hosts at IndieBallReportJames on Instagram there. And then you can find all of our work on the website indieballreport.com that includes the article we just released today putting the assertion that the rule changes are the cause of this mass exodus of atlantic league players you can find that article on the website as all right there under the articles heading you can find the videos that we produce out there as well so i think that's just about everything we have to plug be sure to keep tuned in the coming weeks as we are going to be doing a fun little thing starting next week in march because it is march madness season so that's your hint to it and like I said, we are talking to some people to possibly join the show in an interview format. So be sure to keep tuned to that. Do we have anything left to add? Uh, no, nothing left to add. Just uh, follow Pinch the Blue Crab on Instagram. All right. With that being said, nothing else left to add. You know what to do. Don't forget to play ball. <laughs>